Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, this morning, we are coming to the end. We're, we're coming to the end of a year, not just a year. We're coming to the end of a decade for some in the room. Mainly these over in this section over here. This is the first full decade that you have ever lived. We're coming to the end of it. 87,600 hours. From January the 1st at 1201-2010 through December the 31st, 1159 of 2019. 80. 7,600 hours over the past 10 years. Do you remember them all? 87 hour, 87,600 hours. Those days, those hours, those weeks, months, and even years were filled with life. Life was lived out one hour, one moment at a time. We sang of it just a moment ago that it was His air that fills our lungs. It's His breath that He gives us, and He has given us that breath and that life over this past decade. How have you lived it? There's been a number of ups and a number of Downs. There, there have been those moments that you and I have lived and we've totally forgotten about them because they were just moments. And then there were some moments that you and I lived out that we will remember as long as we live because of the event of the moment. And as I look out, I am reminded of some of those moments in your lives. I'm reminded of some of those moments in my life. Some good moments and some not-so-good moments. Life comes and goes as moments and hours and days and weeks pass. Life is here now. We can't go back to those moments where we blew it. We want to, but we can't. But hopefully we live on and we remember those moments where we blew it. We learn from that so we don't mess up in the same way again and again. Life is here. Life is now. Questions for us as we turn in our copy of God's Word to 1 Samuel chapter 24. We look at life, life under authority. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What are you doing in life? Now, every single one of us are taking up space. Every single one of us have a purpose for what we are doing Some of those purposes are good and some of those are not so good. Some of those purposes you and I see as logical, 
But some of those purposes, you and I think, what in the world is that Brian Tillman doing? You could insert your name possibly there. So what are you doing with it? And what are you living for? You and I have just completed, for the most of us, we have just completed 87,600 hours. A whole decade. And as we turn the page into a new year and into a new decade, I want us to see David one last time. This is the last sermon of the series of uh, Prophet, Priest, and King, Part 1. Lord willing, we will come back and we will see Prophet, Priest, and King, Part 2, i.e. Second Samuel, as David takes the throne and rules and reigns over Israel. But that will be further down the road. But as we turn the page into this new decade, think with me for a moment, or ministerially, pastorally speaking, 20 or 40, about David's actions and his life in these moments that are tough. Because today, right now, those that I'm standing in front of, some of your moments are tough. Life is tough. Life is tough because of some of the decisions that you have made. Life is tough because of some decisions that have been made upon you, that have been brought your way, but life is tough. And how do you and I live in those moments? Well... Let's pick up the story, the life of David in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and I will read down through verse 15. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, pause one second, Saul and hundreds, thousands, a few 3,000 chosen men were chasing the Philistines. They were on a rampage and they were advancing Israel. The Philistines were running and when Saul returned from following them, he he was told, behold, there in verse 1, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. Seems like an interesting place. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, there in verse 3, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. 
So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, the corner of your robe in my hand. For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, as the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? A, a dead dog? Uh, after a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. Heavenly Father, as we take these moments and we look at your word, Father, as we see you work, and as we um, look at this life, God, a life in, in a hard place at the moment. Father, may you give us some action steps of how we are to live as well. God, we love you. We thank you for your son that you gave for us. God, we have just celebrated his birth in this season. We look forward to celebrating the death and the resurrection. For we serve a risen, living King, Jesus. You are on your throne and will be there forever and ever and ever. And we praise your name. God, we ask this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Two points this morning as uh, we close out this series. The first is this. Life is lived out with boundaries. Life is lived out with boundaries. Every single one of us in the room, some more than others, but every single one of us want to live free. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told, hey, you can't go there, you can't do this, you can't have that. We all are there on one level or another. But life 
your life, sir, ma'am, my life, just like that of David's, was lived out with boundaries. David lived life under the authority of God. He, he finds himself on the run. He, he finds himself on the run, not just from anyone, but he finds himself on the run from a deranged king. He's running. He's running for his life. Yet he continues to live out his moments knowing he is under God's care, knowing that God has him right where he is and is going to provide every moment for him. In his book, Kingdom Authority, Adrian Rogers stated it this way. <clears throat> you and I, we must learn to recognize, respect, and rest in kingdom authority. He was a great Southern Baptist pastor. He had three R's. Every sermon was alliterated. I am not. Recognize, respect, and rest in kingdom authority. David found himself living life understanding he was a man under authority, and that authority was God. But in the midst of being under the authority of God, there was a king. Look there in verses um, 8 through 10 again. In verses 8 through 10, it states this, Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked be behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men who say, Behold, David seeks you harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Do you understand that you live under authority today? You may live under authority by bucking it. You may live under authority by kicking and screaming against it. But every single one of us live under authority. Students, whether it is a principal or a teacher at school or parents at the house, parents and adults, whether it is a spouse or a boss, every single one of us live under some authority. Life is lived out with boundaries. How do you live out your life under that authority? It would have been so easy for David. J just think about this setting. David and, her men, and his men are in the back of the innermost parts of a cave. I've stood in that area of the world. I've been in one of those caves. And it takes a little while for your eyes to adjust when you come out of the sun into the cave. But those men were there. They knew what was going on on the outside, and they were standing on the inside. And as they looked from darkness into light, they saw the silhouette, head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel, that of Saul coming into the cave. 
coming closer and closer to their swords and their daggers and their hands. And they are whispering to David, it's time. It's, it, it's time. God has given this victory to you. Go and take it. And maybe there are those in your workplace that have been stating similar things to you. Hey, those ideas that you have, those thoughts that, that, that you have, it's time for you to go. Saul is pursuing David, but David respects the king. And even more than that, David respects God who placed the king where he was. Do you see those words? I just read it to us a second time, what day, how David responds after he cuts his robe and Saul has left and he's on the other side of the hill and David is on this side and he's on that side and how he speaks to the king. King, and he bows himself, his face to the ground, paying homage. Maybe it's somewhat easy for us to understand authority is over us and even respect that is happening. But this third aspect of it, I believe, is the hardest. Dr. Rogers says, you and I must rest in it. It's the hardest to do, especially when one in charge is against you. When one that is in charge is against your thoughts, your beliefs, your convictions. We see it in our day, in our culture, more and more. You walk in some homes in my family and those that are close to me, and you know exactly where they stand politically because what is on the channel 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is uh, Fox News or Trump News. Or you walk in somebody else's home and it is on Clinton News Network or CNN. And when I walk in those homes, my first thought, literally my first thought is, both sides are terrible. If those are our choices, both sides are terrible. Some of them are terrible with things that you and I like and you and I agree with. And some of those things and some of them are right and some of the things that you and I don't agree with. This morning as I was uh, finishing up the notes, I... I just paused for a second and I wrote a prayer out and I said, I pray that we never, from this stage, those that speak, that we never are bound to those things that are on Fox News or CNN that we speak, those that speak from this stage, that we speak from this Word, God's Word, with boldness and clarity. Can you rest knowing that in this day that we live in, 
where the political lines are drawn and it seems it is crystal clear you've got to be on this side of it or that side of it. Does God's Word speak to that? I believe it does. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 verse 1, he says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And you're like, well, Paul doesn't understand our culture. He doesn't understand how terrible the Democrats are, how terrible the Republicans are, how terrible the independents are, how terrible this group or tribe is. He, he doesn't understand. Let me draw your mind back in history to the people that Paul's writing to in the time that he is writing to them. There is this one man on the throne of the whole Roman Empire, the largest empire of the day. His name was Nero. You can Wikipedia him anytime you want. And here's what Nero did to those that opposed him. He grabbed them. He bound them. He pitched them with tar and he put them in his garden so he would have a lighted garden at night. Does that happen here? No, it doesn't. If you oppose someone and their views, does that happen to you? No. To say that Paul would not understand our culture, yet to pin these words that you and I are to respect the authority that is above us, whether it is principal, teacher, parent, boss, president, senator, representative, alderman, mayor. They're there because God put them there. And you and I, whether we agree with their stance on a subject or not, are to respect them. This man was hunting, hunting David. David and his men are on the run. Yet David would not raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. What would you do in that moment? I know some of us, when there are those that are against us, we rather fast, run to our nearest Facebook page. We run to our nearest friend. 
we run to the nearest person that has the same view as us and we just unload. May you and I respect the government. May we respect the kingdom authority that you and I find ourselves living under. Because life is lived out with boundaries. But not only do we see that life is lived out with boundaries, look at the second point from our passage this morning. Life is lived out with patience. Patience. It's a foreign word to me. A lot of times. I was reminded this week that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, a singular fruit of the Spirit. Patience is part of it. But you and I find ourselves in a culture that speaks of it like one speaks of humility. You ever been around somebody and, are are you humble? Well, just ask me, I'll tell you. Are, Are you patient? Just ask me, I'll tell you how patient I am. Sure, I'm patient. As long as you and I are going the same direction. As long as you agree with me, I am patient as the day is long. But is that patience? Patience from David's perspective here in this passage was one lived out often fleeing for his life. Not inside a bubble, not inside a cushy mansion or palace, but one on the run. On the screen, you'll see some verses that David wrote in a time like this, whether it was 1 Samuel chapter 24 or 1 Samuel chapter 26, where he is seen on the run from Saul. He writes these words in a psalm, Psalm chapter 57. It starts with this title to the choir master according to Do Not Destroy. Sounds like it's going to be a nice fluffy little psalm, huh? A mictum of David. We don't know what the word mictum actually means. It was a title for something or someone. But it has been lost what that true meaning is. When he fled from Saul and he's in a cave, then David writes these words from verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For for in you my soul takes refuge. In, In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. You're like, what, what does Selah mean? It, it means one of a couple of things. Different uh, interpreters state that it means this or that, but, but it means something like this. Stop for just a moment and think about what was just written. Or... Because of what was just written, let's take it up a notch. Let's put some spice in it. Let's throw some pepper on it. And then we continue the phrase or the verse. 
God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul in the midst of lions, I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. David found that his life in this time was to be lived out with boundaries, knowing that he was under kingdom authority, but also to be lived out with patience. I'm going to give us four words, and I'll close out my time. Those four words will have at least a paragraph along with each one of them that we'll just walk through. But four words that I want you to allow them to sink in to our minds and I pray our lives so that we too might live life with patience. The first word is found in verse 2 of that psalm. Psalm 57 verse 2. David states, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. That first word is sovereignty. In the cave, David said, God will fulfill his purpose for me. I don't have to break God's commands to get where God wants me to go. I don't have to take this sword and go and stab Saul to get where God wants me to be. Where does God want him to be? God has already told Samuel to anoint him. He's already had oil flow over his head. He's already killed Goliath. He already has the cheers of tens of thousands in Israel. He is the leader of Israel. He says, I don't have to take this moment and take God's anointed, appointed king, Saul, for this time. God's sovereign. Can you say that about yourself? Or do you and I find ourselves? It's so easy. So easy. Oh, I've got to do this so that I can get ahead. I've got to do this so I can make sure that these next steps are in order. Do we truly believe that God is sovereign? Second word, steadfast love. There in verse number 3, David is confident. He is confident in God's steadfast love toward him. All the other religions in the world can't say that. Hindus, Buddhists, pagan, Muslim, put whatever religion you want, they can't say that. They can't say that God is for them. Yet God states to you and me and all those who are His, I am for you and here's how much I'm for you. I came and took your place. I paid for your sin. Your iniquity, which was great, I was greater, I paid for it. Do you deserve it? No, sir, you do not. Nor do I, nor does anyone else. Yet God is for us. And in the midst of this pain, there in verse number 3, we see that David says, I am selfless. David has prayed for relief. 
but his primary prayer is for God to be exalted, whether in David's rescue or in his pain. What do you pay, what do you pray for when you are in pain? Growing up, I, I was always a terrible patient when I was in pain. Some of you in the room are great patients. I was not one. My mom was a nurse. She knew that I was not a great patient. And guess what? I only got to skip school one time by lying to her. I hated that my mom was a nurse. But it was good. Are you a good patient? When you're sick, when you're down, are you a good patient? When pain comes your way, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual pain, pain that you brought upon yourself or pain that was brought upon you like that of David in the passage, what do you pray for in pain? There's nothing wrong with you or me praying for relief of the pain. But do you ever move past the pain? Do you ever find yourself praying like those words that David just stated there in Psalm 57? God, you be exalted. God, you be lifted high. Even in my, my being brought out from this pain and my relief or in the midst of it. And then verse number 7. Let me flip over and make sure that I read it correctly. Verse number 7 of Psalm 57, he comes back and says these words. They set a net for my steps, verse 6. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, they, but they have fallen into themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. First time God that he said steadfast, it was about God being steadfast to him. The second time here in verse 7 is about him being steadfast to God in the midst of all of this pain and suffering. And finally, that fourth word is satisfaction. David says, my heart is locked in on you. There in verse number 1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful, for in you my soul takes refuge. He's sovereign. He has steadfast love toward us and we are to have steadfast love back toward Him. Selflessness and satisfaction even in the midst of pain and suffering. Good times, yes. Hard times, even more. Do these four words describe you? If we are honest, and may I be honest, Continue to be honest. For me, they are brief moments where these are me. Yet, there are tons of other moments and days where they are foreign to me. For us, may they not be so foreign in the new decade. For us, when the calendar flips from December the 31st to January the 1st, may it be a fresh start, yes, but may it be one with direction. One with purpose, His purpose. 
And may we rest knowing that He is in control. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. Thank You for how much You love us. Thank You for everything You have done. Everything You have done through Your Son, Jesus. We ask it in His name. Amen. You know, we come to this time of our service each and every week. This time of the service is a time for you and me to respond back to Him. Maybe what was spoken over the last 35 minutes has been foreign to you. Maybe there was just one sentence, maybe even one word that that just grabbed a hold of you. Whatever that sentence or that word or that point was, respond back to Him over it. Maybe life this year has been a great year. Rejoice in it. Because not every year is going to be like this. Maybe life in this decade that you and I are closing the chapter on has been a hard year or decade. Rest knowing that He is in control and that He has brought you thus far and He will continue to walk with you. But know that He's on the throne. Whether it was easy this past 10 years or this past week or this past year or it was extremely hard, it's the hardest it's ever been, know and rest that He still has you. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and you're going to have an opportunity to respond. Respond right where you are. Respond coming down front if you need to come and pray. Respond talking with me. I'm here, but know this as we stand. Jesus paid it all for you. For you. Not not, not just for everybody. He paid it all for you. His life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection was for you. Alex? You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live sin.